Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Blow up. Welcome, everybody, to the Monday, August 24th edition of Locked On Dolphins. We are 20 days away from kickoff, the Dolphins facing the New England Patriots. And we got a lot to get into. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, managing editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, director of scouting of the DraftNetwork.com. We got a whole bevy of things to dig into today, including some breaking news that is coming right as I am sitting down to record the show. That is where we have to start. We get to talk about Earl Thomas today and why it doesn't make any sense for the Dolphins to sign Earl Thomas. So please, let's just let that ship sail off into the night. But first, some breaking news. The Miami Dolphins announced this morning plans to allow 20% maximum capacity at home games at Hard Rock Stadium starting on September 20th when the Dolphins host the Buffalo Bills in their home opener. That 20% maximum capacity totals to 13,000 fans. When we started this process back in March and exploring what a socially distanced stadium would look like, we made the health and safety of everyone the first priority, knowing that if we felt we couldn't make it safe, we simply wouldn't have fans, said Miami Dolphins Vice Chairman and CEO Tom Garfinkel. Garfinkel continued in his statement, We are happy that our elected officials recognize the attention to detail and diligence we've put into creating a safe environment and that they made the decision to move forward with a 13,000-person capacity stadium at this time. And Dolphins have, of course, been at the forefront of innovation amid the COVID pandemic. Uh, They were the first stadium to receive GBAC star accreditation for their sanitation efforts and changes in policies, many of which were outlined in the Dolphins' statement that they would allow fans in the stands, including contactless restrooms and renovated HVAC and air filtration systems and a minimal contact admission to the game and socially distant dismissal by ushers at the end of the game. The Dolphins' full bullet points included the GBAC star accreditation, socially distanced seating clusters, so they have closed off several areas of seats to allow for small groups to sit in small clusters. All fans and stadium employees will be required to wear a mask when not actively eating or drinking. The previously mentioned upgraded air conditioning filters, mobile touchless entry points with more points of entry and exits to help avoid bottlenecks, at the Ingress, staggered gate entry with entry times listed on game tickets, cashless experience for food, parking, and retail, new walkthrough metal detectors with touchless security screening to allow fans to keep all items in their pockets for faster entry, one metal detector for every 104 fans versus one metal detector for every 394 fans in 2019. Changing from manual to contactless toilets and faucets, no smoking inside the stadium, no tailgating for the 2020 season with parking lots open two hours before kickoff instead of four. This is an extensive plan. Andy Slater of Fox Sports 640 in South Florida had it first just before the Dolphins released their own statement, and he said the plan 
for a socially distant, considerate game day experience at the stadium was a 46-page document filled with policies and procedures to make sure that the Dolphins could safely host football games in South Florida with fans. How does this impact the Dolphins season and the Dolphins schedule? Well, there are teams across the league that are not planning on permitting fans in stands for the indefinite future, including the Dolphins' Week 1 opponent, the New England Patriots. Gillette Stadium will not have fans in the stands when the Dolphins head north to play New England. Miami having fans in the stands, plus the climate home field advantage of playing in South Florida, makes for a very compelling, competitive balance issue that could swing the Dolphins' way. And how the NFL ultimately chooses and elects to balance that is yet to be determined. But what we do know is that as of right now, the Dolphins will be one of a select few teams across the NFL who is planning on welcoming fans to the stadium, and they have a home field advantage that is naturally built in because of their region as the most Southeast team in the league. Good news for Dolphins fans hoping to see their team surprise some people and actually start the season off on the right foot with some early season wins, thanks to some early afternoon kickoffs in South Florida. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy, but with Roman, it is easy to talk about with real healthcare professionals who can help prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional would work you, with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day delivery. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. So I mentioned at the top of the show, um, Director of Scouting at DraftNetwork.com, and one of the guys who works with us on our scouting staff, his name is Dre Harris. Dre spent over half a decade Scouting is a pro scout with the Kansas City Chiefs. He has terrific insight on how teams think, how decision makers think, how decision makers approach the scouting process, and worked extensively under a Bill Belichickian disciple in Scott Pioli. And um, Dre put together his first 2021 mock draft of the year this morning for Over the Draft Network. So, Wanted to take an opportunity to touch on the two players that he gave the Dolphins. Some fresh names. Uh, He only did one round, so we only got the two picks in the first round, which checked in uh, according to the Bet Online Super Bowl odds at number seven and number nine. The Dolphins at seven drafted Gregory Rousseau. I've shared my thoughts on Gregory Rousseau and how I'm kind of a little bit in conflict as far as like. Would the Dolphins go with the top 10 edge? Are they really going to continue to value secondary and coverage over pass rush? And if they do, does that mitigate the value for the Dolphins specifically of a guy like Rousseau? But Rousseau, and if you want to stack another 15 pounds on this guy and play him at 280, 
Uh, I think you can get really excited about what he brings to the table for the Dolphins and their defense with some of his inside-outside potential. You can play him in wider angles. You can play him uh, as a true defensive end. I think there's a lot of ceiling here, and he wins right now with raw athleticism and length and all the things that the Dolphins want, but... The, he'll have to buy into that vision and stack him on weight. And there's no reason to think that he wouldn't. He had a terrific interview with another one of our guys off our scouting staff, uh, Jordan Reed, on the Read Option podcast recently. And I highly recommend you guys take a listen. Uh, if you have a little free time and want to know a little bit more about Greg Rousseau as a potential target for the Miami Dolphins. Harris said the following, Rousseau is a local product that will likely have the type of pride in the city the team needs. He's a little raw as a pass rusher, which is scary. When he gets stronger, fills out his frame, and develops under pro coaching, Rousseau will be a disruptive force for many years to come. Don't disagree with any of that. And if we're going to go off the standard positional value, top eight pick, Ed's rusher, yeah, the shoe fits, let's wear it. Get behind it. In my perfect reality, the Dolphins don't have a top ten pick. Uh, in a perfect world, unless it's from Houston, which I don't think is going to happen either. I think that division will be pretty competitive, but I think the Dolphins are probably going to have two picks between uh, 12 and 20. Somewhere in there would be my guess as far as where the Dolphins end up landing with their picks. The second pick, familiar position, wide receiver, familiar school, Alabama, different player than when I did my own. I gave the Dolphins Jalen Waddell. Dre gave the Dolphins Devonta Smith. Now, Jalen Waddle went one pick ahead to the Detroit Lions in this mock draft. Dre wrote, Miami pick selects Smith, who reunites with his former quarterback in college, Tua Tungavailoa. Smith is an excellent route runner with very good hands. His ability to separate against man coverage will be a welcome addition to Devontae Parker in the wide receiver room. Smith will likely be counting on his previous chemistry with Tungavailoa, easing his transition to the pro game. Don't hate this. A little apprehensive about Devonta because he doesn't really fit the the stereotypical molds of top ten receivers and that he's like six one, one eighty, he runs four five, so it's not like he's like a Hollywood Brown speed type. He's a crafty route technician, but at 180 pounds, I do think it is worth asking the question, okay, you know, how comfortable do we feel about playing physical and playing outsiders? He's slot only and all those kinds of questions. All in all, Devonta Smith is going to be a consensus, probably top three wide receiver prospect in the 2021 draft process when it's all said and done. His chemistry with Tua was undeniable. So if that's the direction that they choose to go, they feel comfortable with it, hey, we can get on board. Something else I wanted to make sure we talked about today was the whole Earl Thomas saga. Earl Thomas has been cut by the Ravens. And if I'm the Miami Dolphins, I'm not even thinking about calling and inquiring about Earl Thomas. First and foremost, I hope all the people who are applauding the Ravens for making a decision and letting go of a talented player because he didn't fit their team culture and locker room aren't the same people who gave the Dolphins a hard time for trading away Minka Fitzpatrick. Earl Thomas, 31 years old, several-time Pro Bowler, several-time All-Pro. Granted, he's 31 versus Minka being in his second year in the league. But Minka didn't have the 2019 season he had under his belt before he got traded. 
Dolphins ultimately get a one. Baltimore releases Earl Thomas. The narrative, it's funny, you know, when you're a team that has success versus you're a team that's been struggling to find their way. The narrative with Baltimore is good for Baltimore for putting their foot down and not letting a player take precedent over the team culture in the locker room. Where were these people when the Dolphins traded Minka? Because all we heard was, man, can't believe rookie coach Brian Flores couldn't make it work with Minka Fitzpatrick. You've always got to make it work with your best players. Never mind that Earl Byrne Bridges in Seattle and Baltimore in a span of two years. Pete Carroll, John Harbaugh couldn't hold on to this guy and keep him happy. And that's one of the big reasons why I'm passing and selling on Earl. As more comes out about what's happening with Earl Thomas in Baltimore and, and the terms and conditions in which led to his release wasn't just the fight with his teammate Chuck Clark. There was issues with skipping workouts, and there was issues with team meetings. There was a, a fight and altercation last year with another teammate, Brandon Williams, defensive tackle, in which Earl Thomas got in his face about not playing in a game that the, that the, the Ravens would go on to lose because Williams was injured. And that almost led to a physical altercation. Not to mention Earl gets on Instagram after getting sent home over the weekend, and is posting video of the practice play that resulted in the confrontation. It's a big no-no. You, you, you don't air your grievances out in a public space like that and expect that to go over well. Now, Earl, 31, he'd be the second oldest player on the Dolphins roster. You're probably going to be able to get him for fairly cheap, but Miami would still have to pay him more than some of the other teams that are reportedly interested, including the Dallas Cowboys, because, let's be honest, Dallas is expected to be a Super Bowl contender at this point in time, whereas uh, the, the Dolphins are an upstart team that should be lingering somewhere around 500 this season, unless things go absolutely right or absolutely wrong. And if Pete Carroll couldn't keep him on good terms. And if John Harbaugh on a Ravens team last year that won what, 14 games? And was ex is expected entering this season to be a contender for the Super Bowl? If he couldn't stay on his best behavior there, what makes you guys think that Miami would ever have any interest when they told Minka to go pound sand and hit the road because he was off doing his own thing and doing the drills that he wanted to do and wasn't doing what the coaches were asking him to do and freelancing. I just don't think that's a fit. doesn't make a lot of sense for the Dolphins. Now, it would have made even less sense if Baltimore was trying to trade him, but as it turns out, they've, just, they've had enough. They took an L on the financials. They cut him. They said, we're going to be better off as a unit without you, and that's the biggest takeaway for me. Raven said, Earl is probably one of our top two most talented defensive players. Calais Campbell, you know, you start getting into like Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, those guys are all very, very good in the secondary. But Earl has played in the extremely high level for a decade now. But he is not above our ability as a team to operate cohesively. Get him out of here. Let's remember that. 
And let's remember how the Dolphins chose to handle the Minka thing and how the Dolphins, who traded away Minka, granted, I understand he's younger. He's like eight years younger. But he also didn't have the 2019 season resume before he was traded. He had an okay rookie season. And is out here acting like Earl Thomas. Well, granted, he went out this past year and played like Earl Thomas for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Good for him. Whatever. But this happens to good teams just as much as it does to bad teams. And I, for one, am looking forward to the day in which the Dolphins make a decision like this and they get applauded for it instead of panned for it. Because they got the track record to back it up. Speaking of safeties, the Dolphins did sign one over the weekend, just maybe not one you've necessarily heard of. His name is Nate Holly, and he was the CFL's most outstanding rookie following the 2019 season, logging 100 total tackles, 78 on defense, 22 on special teams, one sack and one interception over 18 games. Holly checks in at 210 pounds and has spent some brief time on NFL clubs, but has never played a defensive snap. Now, he's at 210 pounds, probably going to be in the mix with the Kayvon Frazier's and Clayton, Clayton Fejdelums of the world for special teams and rotational reps for the Dolphins. Uh, but this is what the Dolphins do, and we talk about Dolphins transactions, and transactions like this are always going to be one of the calling cards of this team. You can just tell by the way that they've done it. No stone unturned. They will go unconventional, and they're always going to have transactions involving defensive backs. It's just inevitable. With the amount of sub-package and defensive back play the Dolphins are going to put on the field on a game-by-game basis, don't be surprised. Like, this team just picked up Jeremiah Dinson off waivers from Auburn like two weeks ago, and now we're claiming another guy. And we waived Adrian Colbert after re-signing him earlier in the offseason. Continuing to churn. We're at a point where, like, we got to start asking ourselves what's going to happen with cornerback Nick Needham at all if he's going to make the roster after being a UDFA who played well down the stretch for the Dolphins last year. There's just constantly going to be aggressive lower portion of the roster churning for the Dolphins. The never-ending hunt for the right blend of guys. And I think that should be applauded. And the depth in which the Dolphins are able to do that by going out and getting CFL guys and AAF guys back when that was a thing, or XFL guys, or guys off other teams' practice squads, or recall from what they had impressions of players to be during the pre-draft process. The Dolphins had like their entire defensive staff show up at Auburn for the pro day, and they sat down with all these Auburn guys. And lo and behold, this offseason after the draft, you know, after they drafted Igbo in the first round, they've since brought in two more guys off that defensive backfield from that pro day alone. So... That's the kind of, you know, the the youth movement. We talk about, you know, Earl Thomas isn't really a fit for what the Dolphins are doing right now. 
it's hard to get a gauge on how accurate like each reality is when the Dolphins go out and spend like crazy in free agency. And they bring in Lawson and Ogba and Van Noy and Elena Roberts and Eric Flower. Like the list goes on and on and on and all these guys they brought in. But you can't, that can't be the expectation every year. And Chris Greer spoke back in like October last year. He said, we're not just going to sit on our hands and sit on a bunch of money. We're going to try and get this thing turned around, and we're going to try and be competitive sooner rather than later. But I don't think that means guys like Earl Thomas make a lot of sense. Now, you could get into a whole debate on whether Yannick Ngakwe makes sense or not based on his position of value, how good of a pass rusher is, the fact that he's still young, the fact that he has diminishing value because Jacksonville has let this thing string out as long as they have, or maybe you might be able to prime away for a two, like, at some point, you just become economically thrifty, and it makes sense to make the buy and take the risk, right? But Earl Thomas doesn't fit that picture. Guys like Nate Holly, who may never end up playing a snap on this roster, who knows? But CFL most outstanding player on the defensive side of the ball last year, maybe a little bit of a late bloomer, those are the kind of risks, those are the kind of bets the Dolphins are going to want to take at this point in time because they are so early in their rebuilding life cycle and hoping to transition into a young contender. Hope you guys enjoyed. Practice currently going on. Going to be sitting in on the press conferences this afternoon, uh, talking with some of the Dolphins players. We'll have some questions to ask them. Tomorrow is Power to the Pod, which means it's your day on the show. You tell me what you want to talk about, and we'll dig in. Hashtag Power to the Pod, at Locked on Fins. Or you can leave a review. I got a number of reviews that came in ahead of last week's show on Tuesday, but did not show up on Tuesday morning when I recorded and pulled out my phone to pull up the review, the list of reviews. So if you left a review ahead of last week's show and didn't get it in, I promise you, I'm going to hit it tomorrow. Because if you guys are going to take the time out of your day to leave me a review on the show, I want to make sure I reward you guys by answering your questions as many as I can. So that's what you have to look forward to. Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. I hope you keep it locked in right here the rest of the week, the rest of the month, the rest of the season, and beyond. I'll talk to you tomorrow.